Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pottstown Bible Church. It's another great day to be in the house of the Lord. Let me, let me read a scripture. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Psalm 33, 5. And all God's people said? Amen. So let's all stand together. We're going to raise a praise to the Lord. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you, we turn to you. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. I'm 
sing it again. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me. I sing Have a second uh, seat for a second. We're going to ask the ushers to come forward. <laughs> Father, what a privilege it is to be part of your family, and, and we can call you Father, and you call us your children. And Lord, we are just thankful and grateful that 
Everything that you provide for us is more than enough and always on time. Lord, we praise you, and we want to give back a portion of what you provide. Lord, I ask that you would accept these offerings, that you would multiply them and use them to glorify your name and your kingdom. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Creation revealing your majesty Fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful, untamable, awestruck we fall to our knees we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Who has told every lightning bolt Where it should go Or seen heavenly storehouses Laden with snow Who imagine the sun And give source to its light It conceals it to bring us the coolness of life Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful, untamable Upfront we fall to our knees
wonder and mind Essence of beauty And all that is right King of all God of all splendor, wonder and might. Who is like you, O Lord, worthy of all praise? Who is like you, O Lord, that all the earth person next to you, tell them your name, tell them you're glad to see him in the house of the Lord.
Carter, and if you're joining us online, we'll be right back.
Well, good morning, everyone. This morning, I have to tell you, you got to really pay attention because, as usual, I have something for you to think about. And in case you think I'm being redundant, I have a particular page that I'm going to be repeating several times with different aspects. Can I get an amen? amen? So I'm not going to waste your time by just talking. I'm going to bring you right to the context. Question, does the following belief of Francis Yeats Brown dating back to 1886 and no doubt I'm trying to be very clear. I'm going to start over again. Does the following belief of Francis Yeats Brown dating back to 1886 and no doubt I believe held by many others both past and present fit in with the biblical teachings of the word of God. That's number one. Number two. Well, here's his belief. Probably, as I said, shared by many others. I, and you see I have brackets there because I'm trying to identify who this I is. Francis Yeast Brown believed that Christ was very man. And I want you to pay attention. I believe that Christ was very man, made very God. The incarnation of man's potential divinity. I hold in all humility and confidence that this is what Christ means when he said, I am in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. I shall not argue about this conviction. This man is very well convicted or convinced as to what he says is absolutely true using the word of God. Having read through the Bible, this is his memorandum. In other words, this is what he really feels. The whole tenor of Christ's life tells me beyond possibility of personal doubt that the divinity that descended on him, other men may also attain. Number three, is it true then, biblically true, that Christ was very man, made very God when he was baptized? What you think about that? So reflecting back to Matthew and Mark, he's saying that when Christ was baptized, when the Holy Spirit descended on him, he became divine. Number four. Sticky fingers. Again, I'm always inter interrupting my message with such comments as that sticky fingers. May I say something to you and me? You ought to have some sticky fingers when it comes to the word of God. You just don't need to skip through this book. You ought to have what we know as sticky fingers. Can I get a witness? Not just on Sunday, 
throughout the week. Again, does the following belief of Francis Yeast Brown, and no doubt, I believe held by many others, both past and present, fit in with the biblical teachings of the Word of God, that is, the Bible. I got to ask you again, do you consider this the verbally inspired, God-breathed Word of the living God? Can I get a witness? I hope your answer to that is yes. I, Francis Brown, believe that Christ was very man, made very God. Get that. I'm trying to slow down so you can catch the input of what he's saying. Believe that Christ was very man, made very God. The incarnation of man's potential divinity. I hold in all humility and confidence that this is what Christ means when he said, I am in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. Number six, in view of Francis Yeast Brown's belief, and no doubt, maybe some of you believe this, he did, the view of many others, I wish to proclaim another view, namely, the view known as, here is where it gets serious. The view known as Granville Sharp Rule, which is a view found throughout the scripture, and may I add, a view easier to view, to show by scripture examples rather than explaining. What are you talking about, Brother Bruce? I'm talking about a rule that you're going to gradually catch on to as we go along. However, much more is presented in today's message than a rule known as Granville, sharp rule, that is the gospel message. There is no message unless Jesus Christ is the center. And here I go again with those offshoots. Is Jesus Christ the center of your life? And my life, is he the center? Or is, could I say, he's off like this Kleenex box, sitting on the sideline, kind of get a witness. I better not go too far with that because then I probably would be a little bit offbeat. So here I go. But before citing some scripture examples of one of Granville's Sharp's rules, some non-scriptures may be of help. Well, here I go with Granville Sharp's rule without a definition of what he's talking about, and I know you're going to catch on. Again, keep in mind, the examples below will be followed by scripture examples. And please remember the following two words. Now, before you say this is going to be a boring message, just hold your horses. Just, 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 just hold your horses. The blue and white jersey, one jersey, not the blue 
and the white jersey. Notice two jerseys. Let me say it again. The blue and white jersey, one jersey, not the blue and the white jersey. That's two jerseys or more. Example number two, the black and white dress, one dress. The black and the white dress, which would be at least two dresses. Can you catch on, brothers? All right, here I go. Here's some more examples. The warped and torn shoe. One outworn shoe. The warped and the torn shoes, at least two shoes. Here's my last example. The blue and yellow hat. One type of hat. The blue and the, you notice I'm emphasizing the word the, used a second time, at least two types of colored hats. Number 10. Here's those scriptures examples. Ephesians 6.21. But you also may know my affairs, how I do Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things. Now I said no message is complete without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you notice that I have the underline and brother underline and faithful minister. Well, how many ministers are we talking about? One? You see where I'm coming from? Here we go again. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, even Jesus Christ. Well, who are we talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me go back to Ephesians 1. The beloved brother. Are you a brother or a sister in the Lord? Are you really? Could I call myself faithful? Could you call yourself faithful to the written word of God? Can I get an amen? I need to slow down. I can feel it coming on. Matthew 7, there I go. Matthew 27, 40. You, talking about Jesus, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. You, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. They accused him of his saying, destroy this temple in three days. They thought they were talking about Herod's temple, but Jesus... In John chapter 2, said to, to those who hated him, destroy this temple, and I raise it up in three days. But now he, he's on his cross or close to it. Save yourself. 
you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Well, here I go with that aberration again, which means sliding off to the side. Jesus said in John chapter 2, destroy this temple, mean the temple of his body, and I will raise it up in three days. Do you know that this person said just that? I'm going to raise my own body up in three days. And now, one of Granville Sharp's rules in scriptures, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the abundance of his kindness did beget us again to a living hope through the rising again of Jesus Christ out of the dead. At the bottom of the page, you can see the God and Father is one person. But Brother Bruce, why do you keep on talking about the and an? Well, Number 12, hath begotten us unto a lively host. Peter speaks of the new and spiritual birth in contrast with the first or natural birth. No, I'm not on Granville Sharp's rule. I want to ask you again, have you been begotten by God? Have you experienced the new birth? You already have experienced the old birth. But have you experienced the new birth? Nicodemus, you're a wise man. John chapter 3. You know all the Old Testament scriptures. You're religious. And those who followed you in your Pharisaic tradition, they're religious too. But Nicodemus and you and me, you must be born again. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Number 13. Back to gradual sharp rule. And ye, the holy and righteous one, did deny and desired a man, murderer, to be granted to you, the holy and righteous one. That's one person. And who do you think that is? You can say it, Jesus Christ. Can you say it? Jesus Christ. Number 14. Who is this man we're talking about? No, it's not the Granville Sharp rule. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, for, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all. Let me interpose. But this man, after he offered up 
one sacrifice for sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Why did he only have to do it once? Because he himself is holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Why only one sacrifice? I got to slow down again. Because he is the eternal son of the living God. And whose sins did he pay for? I don't know why I'm going so slow today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son that whosoever can you say whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. I want you to know right now there is such a thing as eternal death separated from God forever. Choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? Can I get an amen? Boy, you sure are drifting from Granville Sharp's rule. Let's get back to it. Waiting for the blessed hope and manifestation of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have the word, the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. One person, Jesus Christ. The author of this epistle is calling Jesus the great God and Savior. But let me ask you a question. One person, I need to put that in there. Let me ask you a not rhetorical question, a very important question. Is this great God and Savior your Savior? No, no, Granville Sharp. He saved us. I'm going to repeat this. I don't know who I'm talking to. Don't you let any teacher, I don't care who he is, preacher, teacher, evangelist, you can know you're saved. You can know you have eternal life. And why is that, Brother Bruce? Because it's not based in your so-called good deeds. Can I get a witness? Does God expect good deeds after you're saved? Yes, he does. Because the Holy Spirit now lives within you and keeps working out God's plan for your life. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, 
our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of salvation. I'm going, I don't, I'm going to stop saying that. I got to say it this time. Who am I talking to? It's you who out there are dead. I'm sitting right here. You're dead in trespasses and sins. You never accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm trying to make you joyful in Jesus Christ. Number 17. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These Things are good and profitable for men, but shun foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for, for they are unprofitable and worthless. We're back to Granville Sharp again. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The righteousness of our God and Savior is Jesus Christ. This is the they and I, excuse me, they and an emphasis. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of our God and Savior. Can I get an amen? Well, I'm doing good deeds. I... Walk across the street helping other people. I go to church. I give my money. I do all these things. I pray two or three times a day. That's your own righteousness. What you really need is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if I'm convicting somebody, I hope or not. I am. Because the Bible says all our righteousness is that filthy, disgusting rags. Until you come to that point, you don't know that you need a Savior. He's the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell me, who else could have died for you? I want to say it again, and I'm interposing again. No one but the eternal Son of God could have acquiesced to die for your sins, and then say, it is finished. Is this great God and Savior? Is this the righteousness of my God our Savior? Is he your Savior? Behold the man. The person of Christ strikes eloquence, dumb when it would describe him. He stultifies. I know the word palsies is up there. It, it palsies the artist's arm wherewith fair color he would portray him. It would be overmatched, the sculptor, to carve his image even where it is possible to chisel it in the massive block of diamond. There is nothing in nature comparable to him. Before his radiance, the brilliance of the sun is dimmed. Yes, nothing can compare him. And heaven and earth itself blushes at its plainness of continence when his altogether lovely is behind.
hold. Ah, you are past him by without regard. It is well said by Rutherford. Oh, if you knew him and saw his beauty, your love, your heart desires would close with him and cleave to him over nature. When it sees, cannot but cast out its spirit and strength upon amiable objects. What's amiable mean? Friendly objects and good things and things lovely worth. And what fairer thing is there than Jesus Christ? Let me capitalize on that last part. What fairer thing is there than Jesus Christ? There is nothing more important than your life, and I know I pointed to my life, there's nothing more important than the eternal Son of God. Families, friends, brothers, sisters, there's no one more important than Jesus Christ. The Jewish world crucified him because they knew not their king among number 21 and we rejected him because we had not seen his adaptations to our wants and believed not the love he bore to our souls do you know that Jesus Christ loved you and me that he was willing to endure an all-night beating, pulled out his beard, put a, I can hardly talk, put a crown of thorns on his head, beat him unmercifully, but he had his eye on the cross. Twenty-two. Came into his own. He came into his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. That was the Jewish people. But here's you and me. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you believed the message of the scripture? Have you believed that you can become a son of God, a children of God, by believing in what he did? Oh, he was just a good man. He was just a good example. And all these other lies. Twenty-three. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, I'm back to Granville Sharp's rule. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to for baptism, he said to them, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" Oh, brother Bruce, I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you try to convince anyone concerning who Jesus is. I'm going to run my life just like I want to. I know you're trying to warn me. And I don't think there's a heaven. 
or hell. I don't think there's an eternal separation from God forever. There is a place called hell. Call it what you want. And you keep on disregarding the word of God and you end up in there and you're going to be sorry and look back. That's right, you're going to have a memory according to Luke. And you're going to say, I wish I had listened to someone's message about the love of God and the wrath of God. Oh God, he's a good God. He's going to save everybody. Baloney. He loved you so much. God loved you so much that he was willing to take all your sins and then his father punished him in your behalf. 24. The Pharisees and Sadducees, although these two parties were distinct, the article though unites them for purpose and hand. Let me ask you, you can see the bottom of the page. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you, whose side are you going to keep on following? Yes, this is a kind of rough message, but sometimes people need a rough message to take you out of your apathy. They call it tough love. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. That's what's wrong with Brother Carter. Or what was wrong? Maybe that's what's wrong with you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you're still dead. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. I'm going to start right there. If you are a born-again Christians, it's time to come out of your dead state and live for Jesus Christ. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh or our flesh according to, there I go again, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and you were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. Fleeing from the wrath to come, number 26. But God, can you say but God? Here's the turning point. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive, say alive, are you alive? Can you praise the Lord? Can you walk throughout the day? Can you walk throughout Sunday? Any day of the week, can you lift up and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for delivering me from the wrath to come. Thank you for helping me to see 
that someone loved me so much. Pastor Jack and I were talking the other day about eternal life and eternal death. I still can't imagine being separated from God forever. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I know you get tired of me saying that, but it's one of the greatest verses in the Bible, at least for me, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. I know I said it before, so excuse me. You're never going to be able to boast about how good you are, how, how God has blessed you. Yes, he has, but it's by his grace. His grace is what saves you. Let me spell it out this way. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of words that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Now, I know you probably know because I already said it before. That word workmanship comes from a Greek word which means actually poetry. God wants every born-again Christian molding them out, shaping them out so that they can become a poet to the world. Can I get a witness? He doesn't want you to, and me to stay. Keep on drinking. Keep on doing this. Keep on lying. Keep on what, whatever it is. He's molding you out to the image of his son. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good which was God prepared beforehand. I'm going to say it again. It sounds redundant. God has a plan for your personal life. And he has it designed just for you. He knows your personality. He knows you in and out. He knows how you think. He's got every thing lined up just for you. And all you have to say is, thank you, Lord. Show me the way. And you better believe, if I can use that phrase, he will show you the way step by step. And it's all designed for you. Here it is again. For by grace you have been saved. I might as well say it again. For by grace you have been saved. Some say the perfect tense, and I see other scholars say it's the pluperfect tense. What are you talking about, Brother Bruce? You are saved in the past, and you continue to be saved based on God's unfailing love and grace. Don't you let any false prophet, you can go look it up yourself, 
Once you're saved, you're always saved. And no one can undo the work of God. Not even you. Here's that Francis used to get. I think I'm. I think I'm going to forego this. Go to number twenty-nine. <clears throat> Does this sound familiar? Just as Francis he said, man can become God. I want to see if this sounds familiar to you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it. My glasses are getting cloudy. Lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes, I can't hardly see, will be open, and you will be like God. Knowing good from evil. Isn't that what Francis E. said? Man can become God. And the serpent said, it is reported here, for God knows that in the day you eat from your eyes, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Let me slow down again. You're going to never be like God in that sense. You are partakers of divine nature, which is another way of saying you must be born again. I only got six pages to go. Hold on. This is another version. The Bible in basic English, in case you didn't get that. Now the snake was wiser than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God truly said, you may not take of the fruit of the, any tree in the garden? And the woman said, you may take of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, if you take of it or put your hands on it, death will come to you. And, and the snake said, death will not certainly come to you. For God knows, for God sees that on the day when you take of the fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be as God's knowing or having knowledge of good and evil. Well, here's what the scripture says. But if our good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are on their way to destruction. Let me say that again. On their way to destruction. God knows when your time is up. He knows. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you are on your way to destruction. Because the God of this world has made blind the minds of those who have not faith, so that the light of the good news, say good news. What's the good news, Brother Bruce? Here's the good news. 
the death, the life, death, burial, and ascension of the Son of God. That's the good news. There is no other good news. Because the God of this world has made blind the minds of those who have not faith, so that the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, might not be shining on them. For our preaching is not about ourselves, but about Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants through Jesus, seeing that it is God who said, let light be shining out of the dark, who has put in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Question. Has the light of the good news shine in your hearts? I just might as well go on and say it. Brother Bruce was lost. And now I see. I was blind, but I saw this eternal being hanging on that cross. And I'm going to say this again. Some of you probably remember. The door slammed on my hands, a cellar door. And I tell you, that was some excruciating pain. And I'm sure you had a similar experience. And before I get, get my hand out of there, my hand was throbbing. I cannot imagine, I cannot comprehend that someone loved me and you so much that he allowed himself to have nails put in his, I know some say wrist, at that time they considered the wrist part of your hand, allow his feet to be put together and hang there on that cross. My little itsy bitsy pain doesn't amount to a row of beans to what Jesus Christ went through for you and me. Can I get a witness? The Lamb of God. Here's another version. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I'm going to be blunt with you. You're either saved or you're lost. There's no in between. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds. Don't you know that Satan is trying to keep you away from believing on Jesus? He's got a plan. And for a Christian, he wants to destroy your testimony. That's why you must put on the whole armor of God. Did you know back in the Romans' time, they had all this armor on, helmet, breastplate, all the way down. But did you know 
they had no armor for the back. In other words, once you get into Jesus Christ, you can't turn back. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Wait a minute, Brother Bruce. Look at that clock. He's the image of God. Well, man was made in the image of God. Did you notice the key word there? Let us make man. But Jesus, let me say it this way. Jesus is the image of God. He's not made in the image. He is the image of God. Matter of fact, he would go so far as to say, and I'm not going to make a, I shouldn't say that. I'll just go ahead and say it. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The fairest among 10,000. The lily of the brawly. The bright. There's that grand rule, short rule. The bright and morning star. Can I get a witness? For God, who commanded the light to shine on the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip 33. I want you to observe those underlying words. I'm on number 34. I believe that Christ was very man. Did you get that? Made very God. This gentleman is saying that Christ was very man and made very God. The incarnation of man's potential. Now here's the part I skipped. One of the worst things that anyone could do and I hope some of you want to understand what I say, is to take someone out of context and make it mean what you want it to mean. Some of you have done that for Jesus Christ. You've taken what you read in the Bible and you take out what you want and you refuse to acknowledge what you don't want. I believe that Christ was very man, made very God, the incarnation of man's potential. Unfortunately, this is not Christianity as taught by the church. In other words, he read the Bible. He took out, and what he got was Christ was very man, made very God. That's the opposite. God took on human form. He came, according to Philippians, in the form of a servant and the likeness of man. Before I go on to 35, and this is the last page. He came in the form of a servant and the likeness of man. And what's the result of that? Every knee shall bow. Someday, all that you reject about Jesus Christ, all that you read and came up with your own view, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, 
Yes, although I denied him, although you made fun of him, although you called him just a prophet, a good man, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess of things in heaven and things on earth and things underneath the earth and everything is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What do you mean by Lord? I'm not going to go back to it. I'm just going to repeat it, at least in part. Isaiah 45, 23 says that every knee is going to bow to him, Jehovah God. In the New Testament, Paul says in what we're talking about, Philippians chapter 2, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Yes, I'm repeating myself. Of things in heaven, the angels are going to bow to Jesus. Of things in earth, that's you and me. Things underneath the earth, the demons are going to bow. What think ye of Christ? Whose, whose son is he? I said I was going to bow. I said you're going to bow. We are not to understand that this was the beginning. That is the the incarnation of Christ was not like the Corinthian Christians. uh, Excuse me, Corinthian Gnostics. Say Gnostics. You, the word Gnostics means no. You might know a lot about Jesus, but do you know him? I said a lot of things that I didn't mean to say. Well, I had no intention on saying it, but I prayed before the session. I said, Lord, put in my mouth and take out of my mouth what I shouldn't say. And so far, so good. Let's give the Lord a hand. I'm done. I'll take this off me. Yeah. You're welcome.